You're listening to Crush Performance with the Crusher, Jeff Crushell. Get in on the talent grid and text Crush at 10 12 60 with your questions, comments, or smart-ass remarks. All right. Welcome, everybody. Thanks for tuning in today. I am Jeff Crushell. Hernan, the man, is behind the screen keeping us on track today. Thanks for coming in, Hernan. Much appreciated as the con man's down and out. Yeah, he's a little under the weather. He's been down for about three days, so uh, hopefully he returns Monday at full health. Friend in needs, a friend indeed. (laughs) Exactly. Isn't that the way it goes? Oh, yeah. Happy to help. Yeah, great, man. Well, I'm glad you're here. we got a really cool show today. We are talking injuries in sport. Listen, if you have any questions, comments, or smart remarks, as the man said, do get to us. You can uh, reach out to us. On our website, it's crushperformance.com. Info at crushperformance is the website. On Twitter, I tweet out once in a while. I'm not a big social media guy, Hernan. I know I need to be much better. I really, you know, when I find an interesting fact or stat or a topic or an article even, I'll tweet it out. I'll share it with the Crush listeners every day of the week if there's something there. But I don't tweet a lot. But when I do, I try to make sure it's uh, it's it's got a punch or it means something right uh and that's at jeff crush if you're on facebook go to crush performance as well we're just hooking everybody up again with the world of performance today we are talking injuries in sport hernan you know if we look at teams and how they perform one of the biggest priorities in sport today is injury prevention we know that an injury can have a massive impact on team performance we're all very, very aware of the impact it has on the individual athlete and his well-being and potentially even his career. And, of course, when we talk about you know, certain catastrophic injuries, um, the long-term effects going well beyond sport, it's all very, very important. And the number one priority is prevention. But when we look at sport in general and we try to analyze why a team might be struggling, I mean, you know, we could talk about the Edmonton Oilers up in Edmonton who, uh, in our teams to watch in the NHL this year, they're our number one team to watch for a bunch of different reasons. New owner, new building, great infrastructure in terms of their leadership, great GM, great coach, and some unbelievable young talent. Can they put it together? Well, they haven't been able to yet. So, you know, we know that uh, injuries can play a role there. What role do they play? We're not sure, but it's definitely a factor in terms of overall team performance. In the NFL, it's a big one because injuries are so prevalent and a few years ago, just coming out of the preseason, injuries were at an all-time high. I mean, if we look at teams who are underperforming in the NFL, I'm not sure who we might pick to be a, a real underperformer, a team that maybe we thought would do really, really well that isn't, but injuries are a major player in that sport. How about the Oakland Raiders? Yeah. Who were slated to be, especially what they did last year, but again, getting back to injuries, they lost quarterback for a few games, they've suffered some injuries, and it's affecting them, and they're underachieving, I think, because of that. Yeah, and you look in the NFL across the board, there's a couple critical injuries to key players. Quarterback is always devastating, we know. In baseball, pitching is a a big factor, and we saw it this year with the Blue Jays, or you could look at the New York Mets, for example. The Mets were devastated by uh, injuries. The thing is, you can't predict most of these injuries, and the funny thing is when it comes to, you know, the non-contact sort of injuries, uh, a lot of them are preventable. Just listen to some of these stats, you know, if we go to it, you know, um, it's been widely reported. And the latest data that we really have that I feel is accurate uh, comes from the 2015 season that sort of looked back on 2015. We don't really have a good grip yet on the 2016 numbers. 2017 is still happening. But if we go back to the full, most accurate data that we have in terms of injuries in the major sports, 
it's very alarming. Like, and I mean, when I say alarming, like it's really alarming. When we look at Major League Baseball in 2015, they spent about $700 million on players that didn't play. And that number is a bit lower because in 2016, that number goes over a billion. But there was a great long-term study. Baseball has really been trying to analyze and understand why the injuries are happening. Here's sort of the trend in baseball. Shoulder injuries are down as a whole, but elbow injuries are up and they're up a lot. There was a great study done, long-term study, very significant. Um, it looked at the number of injuries in Major League Baseball from 1997 to 2015. And over that 18-year period, Major League Baseball spent $7.6 billion on players that couldn't play the game. And that doesn't include what's happening in developmental sport in, the, in, in baseball. In the NFL in 2015, $450 million on players who couldn't play. In the NBA, $350 million. And if we go to soccer, uh, it's about $300 million as well. The NHL is right there. The numbers for the NHL aren't quite as clear, um, but, but they're right up there as well when we look at the number of lost game days, man days, playing days due to injury. Uh, it's a big factor, and you have to address it. And when we look at... The data coming out of the NFL, this is a really interesting stat for me. About 42% of the injuries that we're seeing are avoidable. And that's what today's show is all about. When we look at these injuries, what can we do to help prevent them? Because that's the name of the game. Don't you agree? I do. And, and it's when you go to when you look at the NFL, when you say avoidable injuries, and you see a lot of them in the preseason, and like the latest one to go down is the, the great rookie quarterback, Deshaun Watson, yeah. who are just getting injured by just running in practice. How do you avoid that? Is that just wear and tear on your legs? Is it, you know what I mean? Because they're not, most of these ACLs are becoming just non-contact injuries. And it's bizarre because what, like, what brings you to that point? It, it, for me, I think it, it must be something to do with wear and tear. Well, we're, we're really going to focus on the knee today. We're going to, later in the show, we're going to be uh, talking in the next segment with uh, Dr. Jackie Whitaker, assistant professor at the Faculty of Rehabilitation uh, Medicine at the University of Alberta. They're running a very, very powerful knee study. We need young athletes in this study. We really need to figure this out, Hernan, because the ACL and the long-term effects of these knee injuries, especially in youth athletes, is really, really alarming. As a matter of fact, osteoarthritis is the number one global health concern in the planet right now, above everything else, osteoarthritis. And we know that if you have had a knee injury as a young athlete, you're five times more susceptible or more probable of developing osteoarthritis later in life as an athlete who never got injured. So we're talking about team performance. We're talking about personal performance, but we're talking long-term health here as well. We've all heard the stories, Hernan, of the NFL players who are retired and they just can't function due to the injuries they entail during their career. So today's conversation is really, really important. But when it comes to the knee, and this is going to be the main focus with Dr. Whitaker coming up because their research is on ACL and knee injuries and how we can prevent them. Uh, it's going to be a great conversation. 70% of ACL injuries we see are non-contact injuries, which, as you said, they're uh, planting and twisting. They're in practice. They're in the middle of the field with no contact. Are they avoidable? Well, you know, we've learned quite a bit about why they're happening and how they happen. We've done a lot in terms of... Uh, um, I guess, developing programs and strategies for avoiding those knee injuries. But, you know, if you're listening to the show today 
and you've had a knee injury and you've gone through a rehab or you've had a surgery on your knee, hey, I, I really would like to hear from you and hear your story. Hear your story about your rehab. If it happened when you were a young athlete, I'd like to know how you're feeling now. Because for me, this is really important. My uh, second daughter is a freestyle mogul skier. And she did have knee, knee issues. Um, it was, a, it was unique, a unique situation for her. But when we got involved in the world of freestyle skiing and alpine skiing, oh my gosh, those athletes are high risk as well. And we know the mogul guys and the freestyle kids, they are incredible. I mean, they're jumping off three-story buildings with boards strapped to their feet. Like, it's incredible. But we still have to make sure we're doing the right things to set our athletes up for success. And that comes to prevention and preventative strategies. If we look at the game of soccer, which globally is probably one of the most played games, and there is no doubt about it, it's the most played game on the planet right now. Um, and what FIFA did in their 11 plus program, which for everybody who doesn't know or not familiar with the soccer program, uh, FIFA pumped in a bunch of money. They started this project in 2006. They developed it over years. They pumped in millions of dollars to come up with a program that would help their young athletes and their elite performing athletes decrease the risk of injury. And they started focusing on their data and what their data showed them, which was get the body ready for sport. And they came up with a very strategic warm-up plan. And when the studies started happening, when the real documented research started happening in 2009, it was found that teams that actually went through this warm-up on a consistent basis. It's a dynamic, fluid, movement-orientated warm-up. They had a 60, in some studies, 55. In other studies, 70%, regardless of what the number was or is, depending what study you look at. The incident of injury was incredibly lower on the teams that did that consistent warm-up as opposed to the ones that did it part-time or not at all. Now, the ones that did it part-time to the ones that didn't, didn't do it at all there was a 50% difference. So not doing this type of a warm-up is crazy. And other sports are now adopting it. But that's one strategy. I think what we really need to do, Hernan, if we're going to get to the bottom of this, we need to understand why they're happening. And your question might be one of the most prevalent ones in sport. Why are those ACL injuries happening on the practice field with no contact? Does that all kind of make sense? For sure. And it's funny that you brought up that coaching uh, training I played one in one mini World Cup here in the city, and one of our assistant coaches, he played pro in, in South America. But he warmed us up before every game the same way. And then after the game, which I thought I've never done, was a cool down, stretching. And we went all the way to the final. And we're older. We're all in our 30s. But it was amazing. We had no injuries. Everybody felt good. Um, and no one wanted to do it at first. They're like, what are we doing? But then after we were craving it, we're like, hey, let's do our cool down. And we stretched. We stretched for about 20 minutes. And the body feels amazing. In the next game, you're good to go again. And for me, it was an eye-opener. And now when I hopefully get into coaching, that's something I'm going to bring in because it's so important to stretch not only before the game, but it's probably even more important after. Yeah. Hey, listen, man, I, I, you were, that is a great, great story right there because I can't tell you how important that is. You know, I'm coaching my 14-year-old uh, daughter's U14 soccer team. These girls, it's community league, and we're just having fun. But these girls, they love the sport. And so now it's Coach, Coach Jeff warm-up. And they're groaning and they're griping, right? Because it's an active movement warm. They said, we're getting tired before the game. I said, listen, if that warm-up's getting you tired before the game, we got bigger problems than just you yeah, not wanting no to do the warm-up, right? Hey, but we've been working with these girls now for three or four years. They don't feel right 
if we don't do that sort of a warm up and and afterwards and, and Hernan even with our pro athletes whether it's organizations we consult with or whether it's our pro athletes who are are, are you know training on their own and then competing with their teams um, the way we do it we have a really strategic dynamic movement oriented warm up and it's fantastic afterwards we do the static stretching and cool down to help them recover because the name of the game ladies and gentlemen is recovery if we sat back for a second here and just thought about why injuries happen, I think we could come up with some pretty good ideas. I mean, if we just sat here and think about it, I mean, injuries happen, one, because of those, you know, those catastrophic incidents, the, the contact, the impact, the slides, you know, those, those you know, real traumatic events that, that cause injury. And those are unavoidable sometimes in sports. We do know with what we're doing with, with nutrition and vision training now, we're able to increase an athlete's awareness of their peripheral vision so they can see what's coming from sort of those, those blind spots, what were typically blind spots. So they're more prepared for a hit from the side or they're more prepared to brace themselves if they're going into the boards or if there's an athlete there. So that's, that's really important for that kind of stuff. But listen, overtraining and overuse injuries are probably the biggest problem we're facing today. A lot of that has to do with early specialization in sport. And that's a big one. Um, and, and that comes down to not enough recovery. So mechanically, are you not prepared for the sport? Physically, are you not prepared for the sport? That would be a big one. And second, are you not recovered enough for the sport, which is probably the biggest issue we're facing at, at every level nowadays. Oh, for sure. And it just the, our soccer tournament, we were playing every second day. And I said our team was all over 30. But it was just the warm-ups pre- and post-game, the recovery was there. Yeah. It was much better. That cool down. I'd like to talk to you more about yeah. that cool down. Maybe later in the show we can get into that because that cool down mm -hmm. sets you up and it can accelerate recovery. It can accelerate recovery. You know, when you're act out there being active, regardless of what sport you're in, regardless of what you're doing, your body creates waste materials. It breaks down tissue. The nervous system gets fatigued. All that stuff has to get repaired before you can go into your next event. I mean, that's the whole idea. But here's the thing. The priorities in the body are pretty unique. The body will prioritize blood chemistry first. The number one priority is the brain in the human body. And to feed and take care of the brain, the body will address blood chemistry first. So its number one priority is to get the blood back to homeostasis as quickly as possible. This we know that, uh, and because of this, our strategies are, you know, a very low intensity moving cool down after competition or training. And it's usually eight to 12 minutes at about 50% low impact stuff. If you're, if you're a good runner, you can run. But for our big athletes who aren't great runners, we'll get them on the bike or we'll, we'll get them, you know, on the elliptical machines, non-impact stuff for eight to 12 minutes to get the blood chemistry flushed out, get the body cooled down. And then we get into our flexibility and our foam rolling and the recovery process starts. So you're in a, you're in a higher state of readiness when you wake up the next day. And that's one of the biggest things. So, hey, listen, we got to cut out for a quick break. We are talking injuries all day today. After this break, we got a very, very important conversation. We're going to talk with Dr. Jackie Whitaker from the U of A about an incredible research project they have on. They need athletes. And I'm telling you right now, if you have a young athlete who's involved in a sport, um, you'll want to be part of this. So that's coming up after the break. Stick around, everybody. All right, time to get into the Crush Pit Stop with our good friends down at Sherwood Dodge Chrysler Jeep. Paul Amara joins us. Paul, my good friend, how are you? 
Doing very well, Crush. How are you? Very, very good. But the heat is on, my friend, and we're here to back you up. Listen, you guys know that, uh, that we're a big partner of Sherwood Dodge Chrysler Jeep because we have had great experiences there. Our families have, our friends have, and we want our listeners to as well. Um, but you've got a challenge going on. Absolutely, Jeff. I'm, I'm usually further ahead than I am this year for a trip that I take every year. So uh, that's something that company provides if you hit a certain number of units. I was 19 uh, deals shy of hitting my tip. I am just got five deals. I'm 14 deals shy of making that tip. I will always provide great service and a great place and a great deal, but I'm telling you right now, your listeners or if they got a friend or family member, try me, give me a chance. I will get top dollar for your trade. I will get you a great price on a vehicle and great service. I need 14 deals, and I will do anything to get 14 deals. I like it, Paul. And, hey, what's the deadline here? So we're going to start a countdown. What's the deadline? When do we have to have this done by? December 15th. Okay, so we're about a month out right now. So we can do it, everybody. Hey, if you're looking for a vehicle, or you know somebody who's in the in the market for a vehicle, Paul's your man. Paul, if they need to get in touch with you or want to get in touch with you, how can they get down there or how can they get a hold of you? Call or text my personal cell, 780-242-8890 or come in and visit me. We're Yellowhead Trail, Broadmoor Boulevard, in Sherwood Park. Paul, we're here to help you make your deal, man. I'm looking forward to seeing what we can do. Sounds good. Thanks, Crush. You got it. This is Crush Performance. If you have questions, comments, or smart remarks, write to us at CrushPerformance.com. Find out what it takes to be a top performer. Get the Crush blog, podcast, and newsletter at CrushPerformance.com. Now, back to the show. All right. Welcome back to the show, everybody. Again, thanks for tuning in. This is Crush Performance. I'm Jeff Rochelle. Hernan Salas sitting in for the con man. Hernan, i got to thank you once again for coming in. Uh, short notice as the con man is under the weather. Yeah, he's hurting right now. But he uh, a quick update, he's, uh, he's progressing uh, in a positive way. Excellent. So. It's the flu season, everybody. I got my flu shot. Do you get your flu shot? I haven't yet. I probably oh, should, though. Do it, do it, <laughs> do it, do it. It's there for a reason. Hey, uh, today, everybody, we're talking about uh, injury, injury prevention. And we're joined right now by Dr. Jackie Whitaker, Assistant Professor at the Faculty of Re- Rehabilitation Medicine at the U of A, Research Director at the Glenn Sather Sports Medicine Clinic, clinic and adjunct professor at the faculty of kinesiology uh dr whitaker thanks for joining us today hey thanks for having me well listen a really uh, important conversation today you know we're just talking about injury and injury prevention and you know the impact injuries have on developing athletes uh collegiate athletes and certainly um the emphasis that's now being put on injury and injury prevention in professional sports is it's never been this focused and this important uh, in, in any other time that I can remember. So, you know, getting to the bottom and understanding injuries, Dr. Whitaker, isn't that sort of step number one? Yeah, for sure. I mean, I think there's a couple steps. We like to think of it kind of in three steps. Number one, you want to prevent the injuries, obviously. And if you can identify what risk factors lead to injury and you can identify those risk factors in people before they have an injury, then obviously you can do something. And the best way to solve a problem is just to prevent it happening, right? So injury prevention is a big piece. Um, but then, you know, the other part of it is often is re-injury. So, you know, a lot of times people will have one event, they'll come back from that, they'll come back strong, but they seem to be prone to having a second related injury. And so kind of that second piece of injury prevention is, is just making sure you do a good enough job rehabilitating the first injury, but then also making sure you don't go back too soon or set yourself up to have another problem down the road. Yeah, Dr. Whitaker, isn't it funny? You know, in my time in professional sports, 
Uh, we've seen athletes who get injured maybe for the first time, a real injury, setback injury uh, for the first time. They go through a real proper rehabilitation uh, and then return to play, and they go, boy, I've never felt this good before. And a lot of that has to do with just going through the process of the proper um, rehabilitation, but also uh, I get the proper preparation for return to play. And that's something I think we need to get ahead of or get in front of before the injury happens. Yeah, absolutely. You know, I think, so there's kind of a couple stages in there. There's the rehab piece. So you deal with the acute injury and then kind of once that settled down, you know, you start to strengthen, you start to work on sports specific movements and you also start to really make sure that your head's back in the game and you develop confidence in that joint or that part of your body and you build things up. But then there's kind of that third stage and that can only kind of happen on the field or on the court or in the pool where you have to kind of ease back into the sport not from just the mindset of, you know, strength and conditioning. I mean, you've got to get to that point as well. But there's sometimes this other other part where you really got to have good coordination between the rehab professionals and the training team and the coaches, in all honesty, not to mention, you know, the athletes and if the athletes are kids, the kids' parents, to just make sure that you actually, you know, once you get the yeah, you're ready to go back to sport from the doctor or the physio, there's still work that needs to be done before you're ready to go, you know, 100%. And and I think that sometimes people are just so keen to get back and they feel good because they've taken time off and they really rehab the problem, but they haven't maybe done enough of the sport-specific movements or, or build up built up their capacity for the full game or the full, you know, uh, whatever, you yeah. know, piece on the court or whatever. Yeah, the stress of the environment, no question about it. We're talking with Dr. Jackie Whitaker, assistant professor in the Faculty of Rehabilitation Medicine at the U of A. Um, Interesting you mentioned that sort of uh, sport performance team, that entire team. It's really, really important, especially in this day and age. And Dr. Whitaker, I think this is one of the great uh, maybe advances in sport is sort of that multidiscipline team working in unison to help our athletes be healthy and remain healthy. It's just a really good movement for sport all around. I wish it was happening more at the developmental levels. Yeah, I know. I agree with you. I think I think it is sometimes, you know, at the higher, you know, the elite levels of the developmental, you know, pieces. But, you know, I mean, it costs money to have all those members and all those team yeah. members. And they're all skilled and they're all trained. And often, unless your child or you are playing at a really high level, you don't necessarily have, you know, you can't take advantage of all of those people. Sometimes you can. I mean, you know, there's a lot of I mean, as you know, there's a lot of people out in the community that, you know, have that expertise and are willing to share it. Um, but I agree with you. I think the younger that we're introduced to that team concept and those teams are working together well and the kids and the parents and everybody has an understanding of what people's roles are, hopefully the less likely we are to see injuries. And then if we see injuries, hopefully the less likely we are to see re-injuries. And then I guess the piece that I'm really interested in is sort of that long-term consequence too, right? So we really want to minimize that long-term consequence. We don't want you know, a kid who's, who's had an injury all of a sudden not be passionate about sport and not you know be active and and uh you know unfortunately that that happens sometimes it certainly does and maybe all too often if you look at the data of athletes who have been injured or incurred a second injury the dropout rates are catastrophic when we're already looking at uh unbelievably uh surprising and alarming dropout rates you know just in the general population when it comes to developmental sport um, yeah. You, you mentioned the uh, trainer and the athletic trainers, the physios and the doctors. Uh, here's a text that just came in on our text line. 
Uh, we were talking earlier in the show about knee injuries, ACLs, and how these non-contact injuries are, are really starting to surprise everybody. We have to take care of this. But um, this text came in. I just wanted to share this with you because mm -hmm. this is also an issue that we need to address, and it's a bit of psychology as well. But tore my MCL three plays into the final uh, football of the football season, grade two tear, played the entire season with it. Um, mm -hmm. um, three plays into the his final football season, told the trainers what they wanted to hear so I could get cleared. Now that is, we've seen, you know, at the pro levels, we see that all the time, but that's a mentality that we definitely have to change, isn't it? Yeah, and you know, we, we, we don't just see it in the pro levels, trust me. We see it in kids that are 10 and 11 years old that want to play on the provincial team and don't want to be taken out in the championship game. And, you know, they learn at a really young age what the trainers are looking for and what's going to clear them and what's not. And they take risks because there's a lot of pressure on them um, from a variety of different places. To be, to be in that role, and they learn at a very young age. If they're not on the field, somebody else will, and the opportunity will get lost. And, you know, some of that is the nature of sport and competitive sport, but I agree with you. I think, you know, we have to, especially when we're talking about youth sport, but even later, I mean, you know, there are long-term consequences to playing an entire season with an injury. And a lot of athletes don't, you know, especially when they're younger, or even when you're in it competitively, you want to win. The long-term consequences aren't relevant to you at the moment, and so you take risks, right? Um, but there are consequences to those risks. But I do think that the culture sort of breeds it. But it is a really important conversation. And it's a really interesting conversation, and I don't think there's really any easy answers. No, I'm with you there. Uh, we're talking with Dr. Jackie Whitaker, Research Director at the Glenn Sather Sports Medicine Clinic. Um, Dr. Whitaker, uh, let's get to this, because I believe you, the work you guys are embarking on here is incredibly important. Uh, you guys are trying to really nail down the risk factors for developing osteoarthritis after youth-related sports uh, knee injuries. And uh, some of the uh, research and data that you sent over to me I'm not going to lie to you. I, I kind of maybe um, on the periphery heard some of this, but when I was actually looking at the facts that you sent over, it's, it's alarming. I didn't realize that osteoarthritis was the fastest growing health condition globally. Um, Absolutely. But yeah. more importantly, and maybe getting back to our conversation about, you know, taking care of an injury properly when it happens, um, you to have had a knee injury are four times higher risk of developing osteoarthritis than athletes who don't or maybe don't rehab properly. So maybe, Dr. Whitaker, maybe could you tell us a bit about this research study? And listen, we need athletes in this study as soon as possible. Yeah, no, absolutely. So, you know, um, I'll, I'll, kind of, I'll try to keep it brief, but basically we've done some preliminary work. And in that preliminary work, what we've realized is exactly what you're saying, is that kids that are 3 to 10 years past an injury. So these are people that hurt their knee when they were under the age of 18 playing sport. Three to 10 years later, they've got a higher risk of osteoarthritis. We're seeing kids or young adults, 21, 22 years of age, with advanced knee osteoarthritis. And it's due to the injury that they've had, whether or not it was rehabilitated properly. We'd like to think if we do a better you know, job with the rehabilitation, we can minimize that. But the other alarming pieces we're seeing is that those kids are becoming more obese and they're also becoming less physically active within three to 10 years of their injury. And that's really concerning because, I mean, you know, we all know that physical activity is the key. It's the key to solving the problem with cardiovascular disease or diabetes or dementia. You name any chronic disease out there, the biggest thing is we've got to be physically active. And here we have these young kids. They've drank the Kool-Aid. They love sport. They want to play. They have this injury. And then within three years, they're not physically active anymore. 
So knowing that, what we did was we said, okay, look, we've got to go back to the time of injury, and we need to recruit a group of kids that have just had a sport-related knee injury, and then we've got to recruit a group of kids that haven't had an injury because we really need to be able to compare those that have had the injury to those that haven't, and we need to follow them for three years, and we need to try to figure out what is leading to some of them dropping out of sport why aren't they returning after the injury? Why are they becoming less physically active? Why are they gaining weight? And then based on that, can we figure out who those at-risk kids are, the ones that are less likely to go back to sport or gain weight or, or let, be less physically active soon after the injury? And then can we intervene earlier and not just, you know, obviously getting the acute injury sorted out and then if they, if they, it, let's say it is an ACL tear and they have to have surgery, Obviously, there's rehab around the acute injury and the surgery, but maybe more importantly, are there things that we're not doing right now as a rehab team, as a medical team, as a training team, to take them back to sport in a way that's sustainable so they end up being you know, physically active for the rest of their life? So the research is really what we're trying to do is we're trying to nuts and bolts of it. We're trying to recruit 100 kids in Edmonton between the ages of 11 and 18, that have had an acute knee injury in the last three months. So we're trying to get them as fresh as we can. And then we're trying to recruit 100 kids that are playing sport right now that haven't had a knee injury, same ages, 11 to 18. And the plan is we're going to follow them on a bunch of different things, nutrition, physical activity, body composition, strength for the next three years. And then based on that data, we're hoping we're going to be able to answer those questions. Uh, I tell you what, I'm a, a parent of three daughters who are very physically active. I want every one of my daughters in this study. I coach my daughter's uh, U14 soccer club. I want every player on our team in this study. And I also help coach um, um, my, daughter, my daughter's uh, freestyle ski team. I don't want just our ski club in this study. I want every freestyle skier in the country in this study, Dr. Whitaker. Hey, listen, this is really, really important work. We're talking with Dr. Uh, Jackie Whitaker, Research Director at the Glenn Sather Sports Medicine Clinic. Ultimately, when this is all said and done, let's say we get our 100 athletes who are healthy. We help them uh, screen them, but we also educate them and help them maybe prevent any injury that they might be heading into already. We, yep, all, we, we also get our injured athletes, and uh, we help them recover and screen them as to get an understanding of why it happened. Uh, and the outcome, it seems to me, Dr. Whitaker, correct me if I'm wrong, is to develop some kind of screening process to identify high-risk um, um, athletes before the injury happens. Yeah, absolutely. So I think number one, one is absolutely, can we identify who's more likely to get injured? Okay, so that's right. number one. But then the other piece about the screening tool is if you get injured, can we, can we figure out within a day or two of your injury if you are at high risk of not returning to sport, of gaining weight, of becoming less physically active? That's, you know, that's part of it. We want to screen the kids that are most likely to get the injury so we can prevent it. But the other piece is that if you are one of the unfortunate ones that have an injury, can we identify really early on if you are likely to have a poor outcome? And, and what I mean by poor outcome is that you're just not going to be physically active or playing sports in three or four years. Yeah, great stuff. Dr. Whitaker, I, I, I got to read this text. We're getting texts coming in here. And this yeah, one is sure. one I want to read to you. Um, Dr. Whitaker has some valid points. Uh, the hurdles we face as professionals is young athletes feel tremendous amounts of pressure from parents, coaches, and scouts to get back on the field, ice, or court. Communication between coaches, parents, and athletes is the best medicine to prevent 
early return to play. That's a valid, valid point. Uh, yeah, to, touch, to touch on injury prevention, um, you should be focusing 20 to 30% of your in-season and off-season program to injury prevention, first-line fill. That's a really good uh, sort of scope coming in from the text line there, Dr. Whitaker. Yeah, no, absolutely. You know, the injury, we've got a lot of science around injury prevention. We've got a lot of evidence. If you take soccer, for example, we know the FIFA 11-plus injury prevention program reduces lower extremity injuries by 40%, and that is across a series of seven or eight different studies from around the world. Right. We know the program is effective. The challenge we've got and the challenge you've got as a coach and everybody's got as a coach is how do we find the time, the field time, the space to get that 15, 20 minutes, you know, even the space within our practice time, 15, 20 minutes of injury prevention work done before practices, before games, so we can reduce injuries. We know they work, but we've got to figure out how to implement it in the real world. We know they reduce injuries. You know what? We also know teams that do them win more. We also know that teams that do them are more cohesive. The kids get along better. And we know we save money from, if you're talking professional sports, as far as medical costs, because obviously there's less injury. So we know they work. But just because something works doesn't mean, you know, we can make it happen in the real world. And there's this whole piece around implementation. And there's a lot of research going on about that. You know, how do we work with individual clubs, individual coaches, how do we find players that can be champions for these sorts of messages in individual teams or in clubs to get this stuff done? But absolutely, I agree with your, with the listener. It's injury prevention is important. And we also know that kids that do the injury prevention programs are more skilled. And I know that sounds kind of funny because oftentimes the things you do in injury prevention programs aren't skills related to the sport. You know, they're not dribbling the soccer ball. They're not doing that sort of thing or, or playing with a hockey puck or whatever. But we do know that they're, they're, they're learning how to move and think about how they're moving and being more mindful of how they move and that often translate into being more skillful oh and just not missing that valuable developmental time being injured is has such a long-term impact you know that's Absolutely. a real part of it too so yeah. dr whitaker listen we want to fill your uh roster uh in this study we really do i i, I mean i want I really hope that parents and coaches who are listening today call the Glenn Sather and get a hold of you to get their young athletes involved in this. Um, um, let me ask you a couple of questions regarding the study. Do sure. you um, are you looking at specific types of sports, or we're looking at all young athletes between 11 and 18 years of age? We're looking at all athletes between the years of 11 and 18. The way that it works is we recruit the individual that that hurt their knee first, and then based on that person, we match them with somebody who's the same age, the same sex, playing the same sport. I can tell you right now, we've got a big need for 17-year-old males and females that play basketball, that play volleyball, that play soccer, that play football, that play rugby. Because we've got a lot of those sports already represented with injured kids in the study already. But basically, you know, if somebody that's listening is interested in, or they're, they're interested for their child, give us, you know, send us an email. Probably the easiest way, it's knee study at ualberta.ca. So just K-N-E-E study at ualberta.ca. Send us an email, or if you want, call the Sather, absolutely. Let them know that you're calling about the knee study. And, uh, you know, leave us a message. We'll call you, and we'll figure out, you know, if, if, if your child or, you know, fits the study. But basically, we need healthy and we need recently injured knee injuries anywhere between the ages of 11 and 18 across any sport. Great, Dr. Whitaker. And your timeline, um, how rushed are we to get this roster filled up? I mean, obviously, you want it done as soon as possible. 
Yeah, you know, you know, research is always like that. Recruitment, which is what we're talking about, is one of the, always the biggest cruxes of, of research. You know what? We will do anything we can to facilitate things for people. And, um, yeah, ideally, the faster the better. But we also realize that Christmas is coming. But sometimes a great time to get people this age range is actually over the holidays. So yeah. we will be doing some testing over the holidays. Um, so the sooner the better. But like I said, our biggest thing is we want to develop relationships with these kids. Um, this isn't just about us taking data from them and, and information from them. We want to make sure that we're feeding them back with information about how they're changing over the year or the, or, or the three years of the study um, and, and make them really feel like they're partners in what we're doing. So, uh, yeah, you know, if people have questions just to reach out and we will get back to them and we will answer their questions. Uh, this could be a game changer for generations to come. Dr. Whitaker, we really, really appreciate your time today. And listen, we're going to stay in touch, uh, very close touch with you to uh, keep updated on enrollment and recruitment here. So thank you so much for your time and information today. Hey, yeah, for sure. And hey, thank you for everything that you do. Um, you know, really appreciate having the opportunity to, to speak to people about this today. Super important topic. Yeah, my pleasure indeed. We'll talk to you again soon. Okay, sounds good, Jeff. Bye-bye. All right, there you go, everybody. Listen, if you have a young athlete uh, who has been injured, knee injury in sport, or hasn't been injured, you want to be in this study. It's knee study at ualberta.ca, K-N-E-E study at ualberta.ca. Um, hey, when we come back, we're going to go back to the email box and text box. We've had a couple of uh, emails and questions about um, performance t um, equipment. And there's some great new technology that can allow you to get the best skate possible on your foot. And we've also had four or five texts about uh, skate sharpening. Is there a science to skate sharpening? We're going to go to the experts right after this on Crush Performance. If you have any performance questions, comments, or smart remarks, text Crusher at 101260 and follow him on Twitter at Jeff Crush. Now, here he is, the Crusher. Welcome back to the show, everybody. Hey, I want to thank you guys for tuning in today. Real important uh, discussion. We just got off the phone with uh, Dr. Jackie Whitaker, Research Director at the Glenn Sather Sports Medicine Clinic, about a fantastic study they're doing on youth injuries, predominantly knees. Listen, I'm going to read that email again. It's study at ualberta.ca, K-N-E-E study at ualberta.ca, really important. I'm going to get my daughter's entire soccer team in there and the entire freestyle club up at Jasper. And uh, look, if you have a young athlete, if you coach young athletes, uh, get in there. They're really looking for 17-year-old basketball players, 17-year-old male and female athletes um, who have had knee injuries, but also healthy ones who um, maybe we can help avoid. So a great conversation. So listen, if you want to go back and get this podcast, you can go to our Website is crushperformance.com. We're on iTunes, Apple Podcast, Google Play, Stitcher, SoundCloud, you name it. And you can also get to us on our website, info at crushperformance.com, with questions, comments, and smart remarks. We look at them all, we read them all, and we've had a few. And recently, uh, because of the hockey season, uh, we've had a lot of questions about skate, skate fitting, and technology. Also, I've had three or four texts and emails asking about the science, or is there a science? Is there something you should or shouldn't do when you sharpen skates? Now, I'm not going to lie to you. I'm not a skate fitting expert, and I certainly have never sharpened skates. So what do we do? We go to the experts, and we're joined by Kelly Hodson from United Cycle right now. Kelly, thanks for coming on the show. Hey, thanks for having me. Well, listen, uh, some really good questions from people. You know, I was just down in Florida here uh, earlier this week, and um, I'm amazed. Uh, some of my friends down there have their, their boys, their sons, and their daughters, and they're coaching boys and girls hockey teams down there, and there's big quadplexes coming up. 
and they're asking about sharpening and skate fitting because they know we talk about it on the radio show. And I've had three or four emails about skate fitting as well as a couple on skate sharpening. So I wanted to go and get a real understanding of what's going on out there. And, you know, in talking with you and the experts down at United Cycle there, the skate experts, um, there's some really, really cool new technology that can help you get the right skate. Yeah, absolutely. So there's, I mean, a lot of been has been made over the years about human error and the skate fitting process and who's the experts, who who isn't the experts, and and how much um, knowledge has to go into fitting a pair of skates. And so all of those things have really, really come forward uh, with technology. But also now those who us, those of us who are skate fitters, have to know much more. So. Uh, there's two things out there on the market right now from a technology standpoint that uh, you'll find in our skate fitting area. One is the Bauer 3D Skate Lab. And what that will do is take a 3D image of your foot and then make a best recommendation on size, width, and family of Bauer skate that they, they fit in. So there's Nexus and Supreme and and uh, Vapor. And the three families of skates all fit differently. So Bauer will tell you today that there's no reason to look for any other skate brand because we have it all for you. Um, so what this 3D Skate Lab does is make those best recommendations on the, the girth of your foot, the width of your foot, the length of your foot, the shape of your instep and your arch, uh, ball of your foot, uh, the width of your heel, all of those things, all those things are taken into consideration through the 3D Skate Lab. And then um, we'll say, Kelly Hodson, you should wear a size six and a half Bauer Vapor Skate. Love and uh, and that's a starting point for us. Right. Right. And then so, you would go and try the skate on and get the fit. And I really like this, Kelly, because listen, I, hey, I come back from I come from the time of the old metal blades and the all leather um, uh, uh, skate boot with the weak ankles, ankles touching the ice. You know what I mean? It's a totally different ball game out there right now. So um, having this technology, I think, also gives um, not only some consumer confidence, but in terms of performance on the ice, this could really be a game changer for an athlete. Yeah, yeah, it's, it's certainly a great starting point for us. And what we found so. Uh, as, it was like Christmas when that they came into the store that day and stuff. And so there's about 15 hockey guys at the store. And so we're all unpacking this and getting it all set up. And then immediately we all want to jump in and see, you know, as opposed to what we're wearing today, what does it recommend and stuff. And, and, uh, and so I just want to maybe emphasize the point. It's a great starting point because what we found is that um, there are some abnormalities of feet. There's some different characteristics to consider and stuff. Right. And so, it's not the be-all, end-all. It was a great starting point, and, and its accuracy is really, really accurate. But, I mean, other things you have to consider, too, is, you know, skating style and, and body weight and body height and, and level of play, frequency on the ice, all those things. Because, I mean, now with the skates being um, as, as stiff and rigid as they are, is that you can overbuy skates. You know, you're not, if you're a weekend warrior kind of guy, you're not looking at that $1,000 pair of skates probably you're looking something more mid-range so you can overbuy skates you can underbuy skates and and all of those things don't come you know out, out of the 3d skate lab but like i say it's a great starting point and, and i agree with you it, it has developed uh, some consumer confidence and and to get starting and and what it's and quite honest what it's done for us is it happened it's forced us to up our game we need to know more than we did before and and uh, we think the customer is the benefit for that yeah absolutely we're talking with kelly hodson brand and event manager at united cycle and crush technology, sport equipment expert. Man, we really appreciate your insights here. So that's the 3D Lab. There's a new one that I really like as well where you can actually get your skates custom made. I kind of like the sounds of this as well, Kelly. Yeah, yeah. So it's it's uh, it's made by True. And so some who have been around hockey a long time will know True Temper and 
before that was True Tampa was actually the manufacturer um, for hockey products for a, a bunch of the leading manufacturers and stuff. And so True, a lot of people recognize it was skate or stick, sorry, um, but it's actually a skate too. And so similar, we do a 3D uh, last of your foot. And then that last is sent off to the True Manufacturing Facility and they custom and make your skate for you. Oh, it sounds so, like the Rolls Royce of skates right here. Yeah, it really is. So, I mean, well, we talk about the three, 3D skate lab from Bauer making best recommendations at retail. So choose from these retail families of skates is, is the true system really does. It takes it to the next level. And so uh, it, it gives you everything um, to make the skate exactly to what your foot looks like. And uh, so we've had some really good success. It's not for everyone, of course. It's, it's really, you know, among the elite product. But if you've always had a hard time finding that great fitting pair of skates and, and uh, one of the first things that come to your mouth, oh, oh yeah, I, I know that when I get a new pair of skates, my feet are going to hurt for months until I get them broken in. Well, that doesn't have to be the case. Uh, this uh, true system really, really delivers, uh, a, like I say, a custom fit skate. Great, Kelly. Hey, we have just a couple of minutes left here. We're running short. A great conversation here. We're talking with Kelly Hodson, brand and event manager uh, and a crush expert down at United Cycle. Uh, Kelly, we also had a couple of texts and emails asking about skate sharpening. Is there something parents and athletes, hockey players should be looking for? Is there a pros and cons in skate sharpening? What should people be looking for? Really quickly, about a minute and a half left here. Yeah, no problem. I'll sum this up quickly. Skate sharpening is a science. And anything less than that, you are shorting yourself. So you're going to go recreational skate around Horlack or whatever like that. You don't need to really listen to probably what I'm going to say. But for the for the mid-level to high-end hockey uh, player that's looking for that edge, <laughs> edge as we talk uh, about uh, sharpening. No is, pun intended. Yeah, no <laughs> pun intended. Is you, yeah, you really, really have to pay attention here. Because if you're not considering um, what's called commonly known in the marketplace is flat bottom sharpening. You need to open ears and just listen. Not saying everybody, it's for everybody, but the, the whole concept behind skate sharpening is two things. One is glide, and the other one is the bite, so to be able to grip the ice. So you don't want, when you want to glide, you don't want the blade to grip the ice. And then when you want to stop, you don't want the skate to glide. And by understanding what flat bottom sharpening can do for you, uh, you can increase your glide, which increase your f- efficiency as an elite player. So that half a second that you're looking for, and then that bite. Um, you don't want to sink deep into the ice. Uh, you want to stay on top of the ice as best you can, but you don't want your skates to slide out from under you. So uh, really, really do your homework there. If you're just getting what your dad always got for sharpening, then yeah, we encourage you to come down and talk to our experts in our, uh, in the skate lab there. And let's Let's educate you on the benefits of flat bottom sharpening or maybe that you're skating at a facility where the ice is soft and you've got a really, really deep hollow and you're, you're biting into the ice, you're digging into the ice and you're creating all kinds of friction underneath your feet. Uh, that's just tiring you out for no reason at all. So uh, lots of information there and we, we encourage you to come talk to us. Okay, well, we're going to talk about this again because, Kelly, I had no idea. I mean, we work with our hockey guys, and we have it down to science for individually for each guy. We can talk about that next time. Hey, thanks for your time today, Kelly. Really appreciate it. Thanks for having me. All right, everybody. Hey, we are out of time on Crush Performance. Again, if you want to go uh, get this podcast, go to crushperformance.com. You can download it there, and we'll talk to you next week. Thank you for tuning in. Thank you.